Mark 10. Then Jesus and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand, right, and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the, the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of God, two times in this passage we hear Jesus say these words. What do you want me to do for you? And imagine being in front of Jesus and having him ask you that question. Imagine yourself in front of this person who embodies love, who who oozes and and just, just lives out grace who's full of mercy and truth, whose, whose embrace or rejection can change your eternal destiny, whose power can change anything in your life. Imagine looking into his kind eyes and seeing willingness. Imagine hearing, imagine hearing his voice and hearing care. What would you ask for? What do you want me to do for you? What if, what if you were feeling ambitious, like James and John? What if, what if you were feeling vulnerable, like Bartimaeus? What if you had cancer? Or if you'd just been swindled? 
or, or you were lonely, or, or you were hungry, would you pray the prayer of Jabez and ask Jesus to bless you and enlarge your territory and be free from pain? Would you, would you pray for a cure? Would you pray for vengeance, for friendship? What would we as a church ask for, from Jesus if he was asking us as a, as a congregation that question? What do you want me to do for you? More members? Greater impact? You know, let's get through all this controversy. A sound system that no one ever can, you know, complains about or clickers that work all that time. What would your heart yearn for more than anything else? What combination of healing and gifting would serve to make you whole? And Jesus stands before us in this text, offering himself, putting himself at our service. And the limitless possibilities of what he might do for us are almost too much for us to absorb. Imagine this is the question Jesus asks you every time you pray. And, and you say, okay, if you could click that thing, that'd be great. Dear Jesus, that's how you start your prayer. And then Jesus says, next one, what do you want me to do for you? How inviting those words are. They're so personal. What do you want me to do for you? How would these generous words affect the requests you make, the words you choose, the confidence you carry? These are inviting words. Oh yeah, the, this little finger isn't in the computer. That's why it's not working. Okay. So these words are, are so, so personal. And the words you choose, the confidence you carry, they're, they're inviting. They invite you to bring all of who you are to Jesus, no matter what it is, good or bad. So then we go to James and John. And these words invited them to express their blind ambition. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. And this question reveals that these two, and all of the disciples actually, especially these two, had failed completely to grasp anything that Jesus was teaching about his future and how, how to be great in his kingdom. Rather than wonder about what Jesus meant by his predictions of suffering. Jesus, what did you mean by your suffering? You know, if, if they, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, explain this, this, this whole idea of suffering, Jesus. Uh, explain what glory is. Instead, they focus on the last part of the statement. On the third day, he will rise. And they, they block out all the rest. And they only hear Jerusalem rising, power. And, and they only hear about Jesus restoring glory of the fallen throne of David. And they see visions of, of Jesus arriving in power and taking over the city from the Roman conqueror or occupiers, and, and they see a royal Messiah going into his capital city, and they get caught up in the power and, and the, the majesty of that moment and the vision, and they wonder, huh, who will get to sit on his right and who will get to sit on his left? Well, it better not be Peter. It better not be Bartham or uh, one of the other disciples. 
Um, what, what is it? Anyway, um, they wonder who will get to sit there? Who will get the places of honor? We're as good as any of those guys. And Jesus even calls John his beloved disciples and disciple and James his brother. And so that should count for something. Why not start the campaign now? Let's ask before Peter does. And Jesus lets them express this prayer. He who knows the thoughts of people did not put up his palm and say, I already know what you're going to ask. It's a hard no. He doesn't do that. He lets them make their ambitious requests. And then he answers it. Next one. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. In other words, you do not see. You are blind. How can you not hear what I'm saying? How is it that my words have been powerless to rid you of the idea of the Messiah with earthly power and glory. Jesus had plainly said he was going to undergo a terrible death, and he plainly numerous times said that they were on the way to Jerusalem where he will be jailed, condemned to death, put on trial by Rome, mocked, spit on, whipped, and killed. And he says it again, this time in more metaphoric language, describing it as a cup and a baptism. Next one. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they still don't get it because the answer, next one, we can. And you have to love those two, James and John. With all the bravado and self-confidence they can muster, they say, yeah, we can do it, Jesus. Bewildered as, as they might be, they still believed in Jesus and they never doubted his ultimate triumph. They just had no idea. Their hearts were in the right place. Let's give them that. And we're tempted to say, how can those two fools keep missing it? But it's, it's written so that we will say, what are we missing? Because we would be like them. Do I truly understand Jesus? We'll just drop the next, go to the next one. And Jesus goes on to answer that question. He starts with the drinking of the cup and the baptism. Yes, you will drink the cup I drink. And yes, you will be baptized with the baptize, baptism I'm baptized with. Yes, you will experience that as my follower. And as far as ambition is concerned, the answer is no. I can't make that call about who will be on my right or on my left. And then he uses this as a teachable moment about who is powerful in his kingdom and what is power anyway and, and, and how is it different from, for you. And he says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He reveals himself, himself as the answer to their prayer. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with what I'm baptized with. You, then you will learn the answer to your prayer. In my kingdom, anyone who wants to be first must be last. And whoever is last will be first. 
And if you want to be great in this kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. You will learn what love means. It means service. You will learn that that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Next one. So the answer to James and John is no. But it's also yes. Yes, they will have a great future because they will learn how to be of service and how to sacrifice. And then, next one. The second time we hear Jesus ask this question is the next story in our passage. Jesus had this curious habit of noticing the individual who might otherwise be absorbed into the landscape. Jesus isn't too busy. He, he's, he's never, he never just sees a crowd, but he sees people and he knows their story. He knows their longings. He knows their, their cries of their heart. And he loves them. And here he especially, especially notices someone who seems to understand who he is, the son of David. It's ironic. Here's a man who's blind, but he calls out who Jesus is. He, he identifies him perfectly. He's the first one who's not a demon or a disciple that understands who it is that is coming by him. The next one. And so Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Bartimaeus doesn't simply rise. He doesn't just kind of creak and get up and, you know, get his feet straight and saunter over to Jesus. He jumps up. He throws his cloak aside and rushes to the place where he has last heard Jesus' voice. And then someone points his face to Jesus who addresses him with a profound question. Next one. What do you want me to do for you? And as Barbara Brown Taylor says, now there's a rhetorical question for you. What does Jesus think he wants? A new pair of sunglasses? Rabbi, next one, I want to see. There is no mistake It's clear, it's simple, it's so much like Mark. Boom, this is what I want. And there it is. Make my eyes better. And you can hear the passion in his voice. He's not to be stopped. He's not going to waste this chance. Rabbi, I want to see. Next one. And Jesus grants his request. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And it's a beautiful story. There's no ambivalence here. It's crisp and clean. All the verbs are strong and sure. Bartimaeus shouts, then shouts some more. He throws his cloak. He jumps to his feet and speaks straight from his heart. His faith is impeccable. And Jesus says as much out loud and in public. For for Bartimaeus, it's a physical thing. It's the disorder that had been plaguing him and causing his blindness was cleared up. Amazing grace. I once was blind, and now I see. He could have written that hymn. But there's also a deeper answer here, an answer to James and John's question. Jesus said, or Jesus came to serve, and and here with Bartimaeus, he reveals the nature of the God who stoops to serve, bringing wholeness to those who are at the end of themselves. 
And he shows us that all of us who come before God as beggars in need of... In, he shows us that all of us come to Jesus as beggars in need of vision. And Bartimaeus has come to Jesus just as he was, without one plea, stripped of pride, stripped of privilege or entitlement, and he seeks none of it. As, as Robert Isman Brown imagines the scene, next one, maybe Jesus took a moment to see if James and John were paying attention when he put the question to Bartimaeus. Perhaps Jesus want to, wanted to see if they got it. Then when the man in need pled only for mercy and the simple use of his eyes, Jesus, did Jesus look at his disciples, look his disciples in the eye when he asked that same question of Bartimaeus? Did he want to say to them, do you see what I mean? Next. Mark says that Bartimaeus immediately received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. How far? Did he go to Jerusalem? Don't know. Doesn't say. So what are we to make of the way Jesus answers to the, and, and responds to the, these, this same question on the lips of three different people? What would you like me to do for you? There's at least one thing Jesus' answers have in common even though they're worlds apart, a physical healing and a deeper understanding, they each enable them to do the same thing, to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Jesus was heading to his, to his crucifixion. His answer to James and John challenged him, them to do what he's doing, laying down his life for others. Jesus foresaw that the sons of Zebedee, like himself, would endure great tribulation and suffering for the gospel. Acts 12, verse 2, says that King Herod had James arrested and put to death by the sword. He suffered a martyr's death for the simple reason that he was a follower of Jesus. He didn't give up. And later, John was sent to prison on the island of Patmos, a rocky outcropping on the Aegean Sea, and in Revelation 1, verse 9, we read that he was sent there because of the word of, of God and the testimony of Jesus. And although he was later set free, he suffered because he was a follower of Jesus. They certainly shared the same cup as Jesus. They shared the same fate as their master. And Jesus enabled Bartimaeus to openly tell the gospel. He declared Jesus to be the son of David. Jesus heard him spreading that message of light so he gave light to his eyes and let him see. And Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the road, no doubt, declaring the gospel, saying to everyone who heard him, this, this man just got me to see. This man just healed me of my blindness. And another thing these answers have in common is a sense of what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people who simply come to him empty-handed, stripped of pride and selfish ambition, in the Beatitudes, Jesus calls blessed are those who are at the end of themselves and simply need God. Those are the prayers that Jesus says yes to. But those who come to him seeking entitlement or asking based on what they've done or, or saying, Jesus, I did all this for you, so now you better do all that for me. Jesus is apt to say, no, you're not getting this. You're still blind. And then he'll also include a call, lose yourself in service for others. 
Jesus answers our prayers and invites us into deeper discipleship. And we can rest in Jesus when we pray, knowing that Jesus meets us at our need. What do you need him to do for you today? He hears your prayer, no matter what it is. And his answer is founded upon his mercy to us on the cross. And they will always draw us into deeper discipleship. They will always draw us to let go of ourselves and to trust in Jesus and and look at ways to see the the way the world is as, as with God in the, in the center. He will give us eyes to see what's real and important and eternal. What do you want me to do for you? For, the eyes, for those with the eyes of faith, for a church with the eyes of faith, the answer is clear. Next one. Lord, help me to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word that tells us that we need to follow Jesus, that opens ways for us to offer ourselves. And thank you for your word that offers us mercy and healing. Oh God, we pray that you would help us and let us look to you and hear that gracious question What do you want me to do for you? And Lord, as as you answer our prayers, sometimes in ways we don't understand, help us to see how you are moving us to deeper discipleship and following Jesus, no matter where we are and what our circumstances are. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.